0: Hello friends, welcome to another episode of The Conversation. My guest today is Mike Keys, founder and director of Ameriprise Financial, a financial services firm he's run for 32 years here in Rochester, where he has remained at the top 1% of advisors. Before he started his career, he was a winemaker for a handful of years at the great Constellation Brands. He is the author or co-author of a 2018 book on leadership called Leading Brilliantly. Maybe we'll get into that in our conversation. He serves a number of places in the city, but we were just talking earlier about his directing the board at 441 Ministries, which is a ministry here locally here in the city. He has been a minister at large uh, to many men. I don't know if we'll get to that in uh, the 15 years that I have known him here in, uh, in at Browncroft. He's been married to Tammy for 32 years, has three grown children. Mike, it's great to have you here today. Welcome. Well, thank you, Rob. So uh, you and I have been talking over the last um, couple of weeks, um, even the last week or so, about the, the stock markets. I want to just dive yep. right in and talk about money, and then we'll work our way down. Sure. Um, so let's start with a real basic question that I think um, it's funny, I, I think I ask myself this question once a year because I, I still don't really always remember the answer about the stock market. So the stock market's been, even in the last 10 days, um, has gone, or maybe two weeks, has gone uh, both directions, um, uh, up and down and severely. Um, I think the other day was one of the biggest drops we've had in a long time. So I just want to ask a basic question of, you know, what, what, what is the relationship between the stock market and the in the economy.
1: Yeah. Well, well most of the time it's it's a reflection. The the stock market is a what we call a forward-thinking um, market that, you know, people who are investing are looking out into the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months and saying where are things going in the economy. And if the economy is generally improving, the stock market is typically generally improving. Um, Right now, you have this kind of strange diversion that's occurred over the last, I'll say, two months. So for up until yesterday, uh, the market was just moving upward day after day after day after day for weeks at just small incremental change. Um, with rarely any kind of pullback whatsoever. Um, at a time when you know, unemployment is skyrocketing, uh, corporate earnings are dropping off, and you know, our economy is shut down. So there was this huge disconnect between what was happening in the economy and what was actually happening in the stock market. Because again, the stock market was forward-looking, and it said, you know, a year, year and a half from now, everything's going to be back to normal. We're going to be in great shape and um, so corporate this is a great time to buy stock and get it cheap while it's cheap and so that's part of the narrative the other part of the narrative is you know the Federal Reserve um, poured a lot of money into Mm. the um, economy uh, and and lowered interest rates and and there was again that belief that that was going to kind of turn things around pretty quickly and we'd have what's called a v-shaped recovery Um, yesterday you know, depending on who you talk to and what you read it was everything from covid you know, cases rising right. to return right to just profit taking you know some people wrote it off to just profit taking your market got ahead of itself um so there's so now there's this kind of disruption the market went down you know approximately depending on which market you look at six percent yesterday across the board and um
0: let's put that in context that's a very big drop. That's a big drop. Yeah. 6% in a single day
1: is a huge drop. Yeah. yeah. So it's it, you know we haven't seen anything like that since the middle of March and it's it's just you don't see that kind of a drop. 1800 points on the Dow, more than 1800 points. And so that's you know it's kind of a unique thing but it's interesting this year we've seen that kind of whipsaw, you know 7% up, 8% down. It's it's a very strange thing but but normally speaking the economy and where it's headed um should be reflected in the price of stock um but we've had this kind of again strange diversion because Mm -hmm. the belief system is that year year and a half things are going to be all better um
0: who knows so you just said who knows so i know you 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 can't um know any more than any of us but um that being said this is your world um yeah what do you think uh i mean where, what do you think about the economy going forward? What's your sense?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I do a ton of reading, and I, I tend to focus on what some of the institutional uh, people are thinking, and, and you know, I do pay attention to what um, you know our senior leadership at the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department say, and um, you know, I think the, the biggest challenge we're going to have is unemployment. You know, it's it's gone up substantially. I think it will go up even further. Um, possibly over the next 90 days as um, some of the relief money dries up and 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 the incentive to keep people on payroll goes away and 13 14 where are we i forget right? yeah so we're at about 13%, 13 percent. yep and um you know it's 20 months plus million people and you know last month two and a half million of those people went back to work um, I think some of them will go back to work, more of them will even become unemployed. The airlines haven't laid off yet because they took government money, uh, but they have an October 1st deadline. So the, the airlines you know, could see large layoffs come October 1st or, or reduction. Um, at least in work hours i know my son works for united airlines and they've talked about you know reducing their white collar workforce by 20 percent and cutting to four days for everybody that remains so um so i think more layoffs and more unemployment's coming but i also think you know some people will go back to work the restaurants the hotels those folks will come back to work
0: as this um coronavirus thing kind of settles down question that i've heard people talk about um, or some that i've observed wonder what you think that Obviously, there's some business we were just talking about a small business where we got in here. So there's a lot of businesses that you know are struggling, right? Um, and I'm sure there's many businesses um, that have closed their doors for good. I've known there's a lot of small private colleges. Mm-hmm. I remember reading a, a yep. month or so ago that literally, I mean, they're, they're, they've, they've decided they're not going to reopen. You know, right. in small parts of the, um, rural areas of the country, co- co- right. some colleges that are a hundred plus years old. Right. So there are some businesses that are going out of business. Then I've heard big retailers. Um, many who've who've um, gone into bankruptcy or are about to JC Pennies uh, J crew Neiman Marcus um, other businesses but here's my question um, about the economy do you think much of some of what we're talking about now whether it's businesses that are closing mm-hmm. closing for good um struggling or going to bankruptcy is is this because um you know this this unprecedented out of um, you know, nowhere crisis that you couldn't anticipate has has really damaged the economy. In other words, it's an unforeseen force right. that has um, resulted in these businesses closing, or has this great disruption actually only accelerated parts of the economy that were already um, um, on their way because of whatever maybe big box stores were, were already struggling because of the internet maybe small colleges were already struggling because of you know um, the changes in people getting to go to state schools for less money i'm just wondering if some people have said that yes it's it's a it's a um, it's a sad moment when anybody closes their business but that many businesses or sectors of the economy were already on their way out and the covid-19 crisis only helped um accelerate that what do you think about that yeah
1: i i I think it really depends on the industry so i would say that um the private college certainly was under stress given the state schools i think you know the retail box store um, has been under deep stress for a long, long time. And we've watched you know, traditional old companies like JCPenney and Sears you know, just slowly you know, deteriorate and, and, and go the way of the dinosaur. So right. um, I think those businesses, clearly it, it accelerated. I think in other cases, um, it pushed people who were struggling to do well um, over the edge. Um, some people, maybe they were close to retirement or they were you know, just not making a lot of money um, and, and trying their hand at, uh, you know, running their own business or or running their own sh- shop, um, it, it pushed them over the edge. It said enough's enough. I'm I'm just going to go back to work and work for somebody rather than myself. Um, so I think you know it's a bit of both. Um, I think some some cases it very clearly accelerated what was probably inevitable. Um, but I would say in many many cases, um, it just took businesses that were kind of under stress to begin with and um, just drove them you know to the ground you Mm. know i think in the restaurant business which is a very difficult business anyway um you know you 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 see a lot of restaurants come in and go out come in and go out um even in good times yeah. Right. Yeah, even in good times because, you know, the population is fickle. Right. But when you completely shut that business down, it it takes a lot of innovation and and money to get through those moments and, and be able to navigate that. So I, I think it's a bit of both.
0: So you were doing this business because I mentioned um you know, 32 years? Yes. Yeah. So um, you were in this business certainly in 2007, uh, 8 and 9, great recession right. or whatever we're calling it these days. Yep. And 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 even in um, 9/11, just give us some context. This is this is the same, better, worse relative to the economy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. History will tell us more, right? Uh, but uh, it's, it's really hard to say. But it, you know, very different this time than, than anything we've seen before. Um, but there were lessons learned in 08 and 09 that have been valuable to this this time period and, and the lesson I think we learned in 09, If you haven't seen the movie Big Short, go see it. Yeah. It, I did. it does a phenomenal Excellent. job of explaining what caused oh eight oh nine um and all the all the bad players. And uh but it's very different this time. This this was not, you know, as I like to say man made. It was, you know, nature right. made and and, right. it, and it came out of nowhere. Um, much but, more broad yeah. in its um yep, it uh, reach. Hit, yeah. And right. it's and it's the entire world, right? right. That 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 went through this Massive moment, and it was very quick and out of nowhere. Um, but I think what we learned in 0809 is that the government can step in and use tools, right? Tools like lowering interest rates, tools like um, bailing out companies, tools like you know providing low interest loans or zero interest loans or forgivable loans. Um, and and what they did in 0809 2010 took about three years um, for them to to roll out. You know three to four trillion dollars of relief to companies um and and that worked right and, and along with unemployment it took them about three weeks to do the same thing right what 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 took three years because they knew the playbook because they knew what they were mm-hmm. you know had some sort of pattern to go from now is it perfect no there there's mistakes being made but by and large you know i'll say i'll give them a b plus on mm-hmm. on Getting it done and getting it done quickly um, and effectively. So, so money was pushed into the hands of people. The decisions were made in, 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 I'll say, a couple of weeks, and the money was in people's hands within a month, month and a half in most so, cases. So,
0: politics aside, yeah, um, you give um, the government good marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and I, and that would be all parts of government. You know, so I, I, think that, you know, both the executive and Congress and the Senate um, all came together on this issue. <clears throat> and, and you know, said, we gotta do this stuff, you know, we're, it's imperfect, we're gonna do the best we can
0: um, to roll out money in a multiple of ways. It, in how's the global economy doing? I mean, not that you pay attention to that every day, but I mean, it's all related. In other words, Germany, yeah. Europe, um, yeah. China, for that matter, relative to just giving the U.S. good marks, what's your sense? How's the how's the rest of the economy? Yeah,
1: I, I think um, what you're seeing is very similar behavior all across the world. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's not identical, but it's pretty close. Every 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 government across the world is faced with this issue. COVID has hit you know everywhere. It's right. not it's, it's not limited to us um, in China, but. Um, and they're rolling money out they're lowering their interest rates where they can and they're you know pushing money out into their economies to try to to shore up business and shore up which is you know one of the reasons we haven't seen huge inflation across the world right Mm. usually you'd you'd see the dollar weaken and inflation would go up and that's not happening
0: you know one thing i I don't i don't even know if if this is um if you've thought about this i haven't until i'm just sitting here talking with you but the United States is the largest economy in the world. Right. The United States also has the greatest um, concentration of um, the COVID virus. You know, mm-hmm. didn't start in the United States, but we right. have the greatest um, two million cases. I guess is that right? I think yeah. infections yeah. and yeah. um, one hundred thousand plus right. dead. Right. Um, is that significant? I, what I mean by that is relative to the economy. Be- if the United, St- if if we live, if we're in a global economy. Right. which i think we are right i mean it's, we, we live right. in a global economy you pull one part of the you know the 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 cloth it affects another part i don't know that's maybe a poor metaphor but i mean it's it's a global economy that that, that there's their implications when big countries or major players have problems right, right. china yeah. united states europe um we are, being the biggest economy in the world whatever that means you know that better than me and having the greatest Impact of the COVID virus here um, is that um, what does that mean for the economy? Do you think? I mean, are we are we? You know, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, whenever
1: you you know you shut off demand to a large degree um I mean 70 percent of our economy is consumer spending and and when you shut that off um you you're shutting that off globally right because we we import a ton and and from all over the world um primarily from China but but all over the world and, and whenever you shut that off that's going to have a major impact um mm. again there's winners and losers but mostly there's I losers see. there's you know I mean um, you know, I think I see an Amazon or UPS truck in front of my house almost daily. Sometimes two and three times. A so day. they're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're getting yeah. we're getting groceries and we're right. getting toilet paper and all right. this stuff that we would normally go out and buy is coming to the house. But right. it's, so it's coming in a different form. But I yeah, huge implications. There's I an see. old saying that you know, when the United States sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. I see. And I, and I think that's very true. Mm. You know. We we are, you know, we are the largest consumer, right? So we, we don't just have the highest GDP, we are the largest consumer of, of goods and services
0: I in see. the world
1: and by far. And and that has a huge impact on global economies.
0: Mm. So we could talk about the negative. I'm not, I'm not gonna do that because people do it too much. I mean, you can say what you want to say. I'm talking about the economy. You know, what's what what's gonna happen? What we just talked a little bit about um, struggling industries. But what opportunities do you see? And I don't mean like you know this stock or that stock, but I mean when you look at um, where we might be, and whether it's you know three months or a year, whatever. Um, what are the opportunities? So, <clears throat> one
1: of the books I, I love to recommend to people is a book called The Power of Habit. Right, And it's a tremendous book, and it it really gets into this idea of if you can get somebody to create a habit around a, a certain set of behaviors. Um, they'll continue that habit and so what's happened during this covid period is we've broken some old habits which is you know get up get in the car go to work come home um you know go to the restaurant all these habits that we used to have have kind of stopped automatically and we've been stopped them for for 90 days and we've created new habits right so shopping online is a new habit working from home is a new habit and i think that's where some of the opportunities are going to come is is in that you know new world uh, of working from home, for example, being a big one. And, and you know, I was talking to some of my um, friends recently about this. You know, they used to go to conferences all over the country big, huge sales conferences. or And it costs companies millions of dollars to do these conferences. And these, I'm not talking the rah-rah conference. I'm talking about a sales training meeting that you, you used to get delivered in one location. They bring all the reps from all over the country. A Com- company like Pfizer, for example, would do that. Um, and now they're doing those same meetings via Zoom or one right. of those electronic media. And it's taking three hours and costs them nothing right. versus spending, you know, 30 million dollars to fly people put them up in hotels feed them you know wine them dine them and, and then send them home and, and and all that lost productivity of being out of the field for 2 or 3 days and so i think you know that's going to create efficiencies that companies are going to start questioning you know do we really need to bring all these people together for this can we just do it electronically right how many people can actually work at home you know can we save on officing by having people work from home is there a real need to get in the car and commute back and forth yeah Um, i think in our humanity we like the commute we like to be you know going someplace and being with people and i think some of that will return much yeah. of that will return right but i think huge opportunities will unfold in this new environment of working from home shopping from home doing meetings from home um you know connecting you know with other people and i, th- I think that's 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 a, a, a new set of habits that's happening i look at what church has done you mm. know my own small group is probably in the best season of their yeah. life yeah. right i mean yeah. <clears throat> All because this happened had this not happened yeah. you know we we might have not been as focused on you know each other and what's going on and mm. you know we're in life as usual and, right. and now we're finding that we're we're more engaged than we've ever been I know. and That's i think our example. church has learned a lot during this period our you know, our social engagement through electronic media has yeah. never been better it's never been uh bigger um and i think people are learning well geez I if even if i can't go to church i can still watch it online right, right. you know I, I can just i can just jump online and i think you know there's
0: going to be greater engagement on the back side of this mm. in, in many forums yeah it's great so speaking of you know making lemonade it's kind of a thing um when you think of your you know um distinguished career you're a rare um, individual that is to say that you've been in in one career for thirty some years. I mean that's I mean or one right. you know industry or even one company.
1: <coughs> one company same yeah, company same same job which is yeah.
0: which was true in our parents' generation um, right more, but is not so true today right. But you know so when you look back on even just looking at Ameriprise that the, the financial services business that you're in, what's the most surprising difficulty? That you've experienced if you had to think of one there's yeah. a lot that you anticipate maybe you even right. anticipate things like you know downturns in the economy but when you think of what was the most surprising difficulty
1: yeah and, it, and it's one that's been been with me the full 30 years but i, I think as i've aged i've, I've recognized it more um and it, and it really gets to the idea of the human frailty the human brokenness um because people behave illogically often um, based on what's going on in their personal lives right. not necessarily based right. on what's going on otherwise you, and, and, you and can'
0: you can't there's not a hard break yeah and, and things,
1: so right. when the markets go south you know people you know just lose their composure and get super anxious and behave in ways that are just so counter to to their own best interest and by the same token when the markets go north for example people get greedy and they start again making bad decisions so you know i'm, I'm a student of behavioral finance i have a Certification in behavioral finance, and um, it's just—it it never ceases to amaze me how irrational people can be in both directions. And 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 I've learned over the years that you know that's up—that's the biggest challenge for a financial advisor is—is is not necessarily you know the book knowledge, not necessarily even the markets and the economy. It's it's helping people manage their emotions um, through it all, because because it's not just what's happening in the markets and the economy it's what's happening in their personal lives you know whether they're you know having tr- struggles with their teenagers or struggle with their spouse or struggle at work or their boss and or they have a health issue or crisis that's happening in their lives and and that creates a, a stressor that that leads to a, a fair degree of irrationality and people and it causes them to make decisions that are often not in their best interest
0: so when you so you're saying in so many words um um obviously you're not saying you know somebody's name here but are you talking about your clients or your or your or your um your um other advisors or when you say people all of those it's all of the above
1: right they're all human beings right so uh, you know, I had an interesting conversation with um, you know, one of the people I'm working very closely with, who's a, an elder at this church, and and you know, I'm kind of slowly, you know, mentoring him into the the leadership role. He'll 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 be me in a couple of years, and he'll take over the the, the lead job. And you know, we're talking about you know one of our coworkers and you know the challenges that this person is facing, and and um, you know, he's just like I just I just can't believe some. I go. I go. That's because you've always been the employee. You've never been the boss. I go. When you get to be the boss, you get to see, right. you know, people at a different level, at a deeper level, and you get to know them better. And what you begin to realize, having you know, I was a leader for 12 years. I trained you know, over 150 advisors, and and when you train somebody, you spend that kind of deep time with them all of us are flawed all right. of us are broken all of us have you know some some stuff and right. some challenges and and some people work out those challenges very effectively most don't yeah. right they, they work them out in a messy way and that's okay yeah, yeah. It, it's okay it's the norm it's not the exception the person who you know has it quote all together rarely does and 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 those people are rare
0: you know and um so yeah. Well, speaking of that, let's dive into um, a leadership question. Since you're talking about leading many advisors over your career, even your current staff, um, I was actually looking through your book last night. Um, but you know, you've spent some time thinking about leadership, obviously, right. not yeah. just in in the financial services industry, but in in your in broadly. And you've you know you have been. I mentioned this briefly when we started. Um, I think it's a natural, or at least in my career, Relationship with you, a natural gifting of yours, um, to gently, um, but um, you know, um, carefully and thoughtfully lead, help um, men, and particularly right. lead them in their lives and maybe in their businesses. And you you do that, you know, intuitively and natively in your uh, relationships with many people outside of your business. But you know, if you had to say, what's the, you know, what's the greatest? Um, quality of leadership if you had to boil it down to one or two i know i don't mean yeah. to make no, something so I, complex I think it's a, so simple but when you think I, about it I, I think it's a great question because i
1: i do do a lot of work with leaders i was again i was a senior leader at our company for 12 years uh led large groups and organizations and um you know i was very fortunate in that my career that when uh, the people who hired me and led me um were in, in the late season of their career so they were they were men in their 50s um that really knew what they were doing. And they weren't at a stage of their career where they needed to prove themselves. They were, they were at a stage of their career where they really understood how to do what they did well. Um, and so I, I, I was the beneficiary of, of you know two great leaders um, in my career that just did a phenomenal job with that. And, and I would tell you that what they did and, and what they taught me and what I believe personally um, leads to great leadership is this idea that you must be sincerely and sincerely is the the right word sincerely invested in the well-being of the people that you're leading and and i think that's a harder thing than most people realize um, because i think you know where leaders get it wrong to, to contrast that is you know we set goals and we make it about the goals and and i would tell you it's the reverse you make it about the people that are trying to achieve the goals if if, if i spend my time sincerely understanding where each person is at what their contributions can be and what they're capable of and they know that i am deeply invested in them and i care deeply about them they'll hit the goal right but but i think a lot of leaders do it the other way around hey there's the goal everybody we need to get there and i know in my younger days i did that you know i did that poorly i I made it about the goal and i i was all about the goal and driving results and holding people accountable and and, and those aren't awful things, but that can't be your primary. That's mm-hmm. your secondary. The people that understand that you care deeply about them and, and you treat them as if you care deeply, and they're more important than the goal itself, right. will help you hit the goal. And right. they'll do almost anything to help you hit the goal. But if you get it the other way around, when they think that the goal is more important than the person, right. that's when you're in trouble. And and I think that's where you know it's it's hard because developing people takes time and right. patience, and and you and you have to learn to love people that you don't necessarily like from time to time, right? Because they've either behaved badly or they're not necessarily your kind of person. Yeah. You know, they they rub you the wrong way. They right. you know the way they do things you know can be challenging. And and so then it's you know how do I. Develop and deepen that relationship. You know, Stephen Covey calls it the emotional bank account. I have to build that bank account so that when I need to help that person in a way that you know is a bit of a velvet glove, where I have to kind of smack them upside the head and say, "Hey, listen, right. you know, you're not seeing this the way you might want to see it." Mm-hmm. Um, they know that I'm so invested in them and I care so much about them. I wouldn't share that with them um, unless it were true. And so they, they can listen to me, you know, criticize them or or, or give them feedback that is, that is unsavory because they know without question that I care deeply about them. And I think mm. that's where it starts. Mm.
0: People first. People first. Yeah. So tell me, where, um, if you think about, again, not just 32 years of leading this business, but um, perhaps that and more in being a follower of Jesus, you know, how, how is your faith um, impact your um, your career, or how do you how do you bring it there, and, and and how do you even face things like we mentioned three crises you've had more than three in your career, but right. how does your faith um, play a role in your everyday leadership as in your work?
1: Yeah, so um,
0: probably the greatest thing I've learned in the last thirty years.
1: Um, is that there's a lot of things I don't control. (laughs) There are a lot of things that um, I have no... Even influence over, and yet I have to live within that world and find a way to get through it. So I can't control the financial markets. I can't control the economy. I can't control the government. I can't control what one of the people that works with me or for me does. Um, there's just so much out of my control. What I what I can control is my my faith system. My, you know, who I know it does control all of that. Who is in charge? And and you know that's the real deep message of the gospel is that. You know we have so much out of our control but we can live a life attached to a god that cares deeply and loves us and i can take great comfort in that and i can i can draw tremendous hope from that and and that's where it you know in in the face of all the uncertainties and the anxieties and and people who you know get all wound up by it i can separate myself and have
0: that hope have that peace that you can't get otherwise mm. so two more quick questions I don't know how quick they are but you know for people who I'm not looking for a stock tip or anything like that but well, you know if someone said to you Mike keys what's your personal philosophy of wealth yeah you know someone who's in the money business what, what what's a what would you say
1: I mean, there's there's some common sense stuff, right? Live within your means. That's a that's a starting point. Save a percentage of your your paycheck, you know, from from as early on as you possibly can. You know, put money away and save and and be a regular saver and an investor. And and so, you know, those are two principles that if you, if you if you ground yourself in those two principles, you're going to probably hit the mark most of the time. I th- I think that the third for me. And, and this is where the joy of living comes from and, and that is you know share your wealth wealth right. of your knowledge wealth of your talent wealth of your of your money right i mean when you share that mm-hmm. the work that you do to earn it has more meaning right if, if i just work earn and save for the pure saving of it um so that i'll have this huge pile of money someday in the future um it lacks any kind of joy it's it's a it becomes a monotonous chore Mm. when it's shared when you can share your your time your talent your treasure um the accumulation of wealth whether again it's talent or or treasure um becomes a wonderful thing when you Mm. when you can can see the benefit of sharing it with someone who who is perhaps less fortunate or or you know you can gift them in a way that is super meaningful for them Mm. um you know Things that you can do in your church or inner city ministry, um, (laughs) the accumulation of wealth for wealth is is a a dead end street, right? It's it's the sharing of that wealth. It's the the ability to to use it to to for the well being of others Mm -hmm. that really makes it wonderful. Yeah. So that's the piece I would tell people: don't don't miss that third leg of the stool.
0: And you don't you don't have to be a Christian to follow that wisdom. No, not at all. Right. No. I I just this morning I was reading. um, it was just I think it was Deuteronomy chapter 15. Just was my reading, but it sobered me. I don't know why. It's funny that we were talking about money. It was it was not in plans for sitting here with you, but it was it was the some counsel before going into the promised land. Moses' last words, and he said among a few other things, um, because all God's great blessing uh, as you go into the promised land, there should be no no poor among you in the land. Think about that. And I thought, yeah. wow, the the wisdom of this, you know, let's say creating this society that the Book of Deuteronomy is 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 doing. We we've never achieved it, of course, but that's what they're talking about. What what should life look like in that setting under the covenant relationship with God? There should be no poor right. among you, and um, I would imagine you might say um, whether it's food or cash or other ways that we 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 um, measure wealth, there's actually plenty to go around, right? Yeah. Um, the problem is, of course, um, uh, it's not going around, and uh, for the reasons that you say. So that's a and that's a big discussion. But I like what you say, and uh, as Jesus would say, we think this is we don't we think some people may listening to this might think that you know Gandhi said this or something, but um, uh, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than receive. And I think that's that's more than a saying. What you're saying is that's a that's a foundational human truth. Yeah, I yeah. I you know, I
1: read this once and it really hit home for, with me. And that is one of the most selfish things you can do is to share your wealth because mm. it, it, it it serves yes. yourself in such a way, and not because you're going to get something back for it. What you get is this deep satisfaction. You get this this sense of you know purpose for what you're doing in yeah. in the day to day world i mean most people that quote burn out it's because they they lose their sense of purpose right yeah. the job itself will will only be good enough for a while you know right. and i and i like what i do right but like any job it, you know 80 percent of it is routine mundane stuff right 20 percent right. of it is creative fun interesting and and, right. and wonderful yeah. um but you know the rewards of it that i can share with others just priceless yeah
0: I was thinking about. There's been a lot of criticism lately. You know, anyone that's a well-known person's criticized Bill Gates, and I don't have tons of opinions, but I know he's been. um, You know, in 2015 he made this big speech, and so he got a lot of uh, credit for anticipating a a global pandemic. And there's people in in some other quarter of the world um, who think he's you know the devil himself. Right. Um, But one, his name came to mind because I thought of a guy who decided, if I remember, you know, about ten years earlier than he had originally planned. I mean, obviously he's a very was a very is and was a very wealthy man, but said, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears earlier than I thought. Yeah. And and decided, you know, I've made enough money. Right. And I'm gonna spend what I got left um and uh in pouring into the world in good ways. And Yes, not we, you don't have to be Bill Gates to do that. I guess. Right. he just came to mind. In other words, I can do that. You can do that. Right. Um, even if you make you know um, a modest wage, you can decide in your limited um, time that you're gonna whatever you set it, be selfish with your money and uh, right. give it away. Yep. So one last question. I know, Mike, you you have been very involved in your faith, uh, both directly in sort of church ministry, but indirectly in the lives of people, and as you think back to where we started this thinking about this COVID crisis, how do you think uh, the church needs to change? Or you know, we were talking about Neiman, you know, big box stores, and um, you know, uh, the local colleges, different industries. The church is an industry of a kind, right? We're a business of yeah. a kind. We're in the we're in the world trying to do something right. uh, with people in the world. You know, what's the greatest challenge and what's the opportunity challenge and opportunity for the church? Not just this one, um, in the post-COVID world. Yeah, so I I would say it's probably the
1: same opportunity in the pre-COVID world um, because the the world is a damaged place filled with broken people at the, at, the, at its foundation, and you know the the two things that the church is called to do, which is you know. Um, sing loud and strong the gospel message and and, you know we say gospel but you know to what does that really mean what is the gospel message so that's the first marching order the the message is one of you know connecting with your creator having a personal relationship with a living god um that will change your perspective and, and change the way you see the world um and so, you know, we need to continue to find ways to to get that message out there. Um, you know, through things like social media and podcasts and continue to, to continue to help people have a message of hope, have because you know, as we go through these crises, nothing is more important than having hope and, and helping people understand they don't have to do it alone, right? They can actually do it with their creator, they can live in this personal relationship. And, and it's not just a, a message of hope, it's, it's a message of peace and tranquility and, and calmness, which you know, are hard to find in this world. You know, people are struggling for, to find hope and, and to find peace and tranquility, and, and, and they're trying to do it all on their own, and it's, it's too much. And so I think the first part is to, is to get that message out there loud and clear in as many ways as we possibly can, the most important of which, which is the second part of the work, is you actually have to do something, right? You have to actually physically become the hands and the feet of God. And mm-hmm. you know, we can't just talk about it. We can't just say, hey, you need to, you know, get a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. We have to actually be that relationship right. with Jesus Christ as 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 the connector, right? To say, hey, listen, you know, I'm here for you. I'm here with you. Um, I'm gonna help you, you know, see who God is through me, right? right. And so I think there's, there's work to be done. And I think that's where, you know the church has to has to get engaged you know we've had that conversation yes. many times yep. just get engaged go do something you know right. i remember when i i first joined this church 20 plus years ago it's, gosh 23 years now we've been here and um you know i, I was looking around you know what am i going to do what what is god calling me to right we get all tied up in what is god calling to me to and somebody came up to me and said hey would you be willing to do our second grade sunday school and i'm like go home I said to my wife why would I want to do that right I have no giftedness for that just because they asked I'm like okay so we did it we did second grade Sunday school then we did third grade and fourth grade we went all the way up to seventh grade and you know and then I did tree climbers and and stockade and and I'm like all these minutes and then I started doing VBS and then I started doing Flower City and and you know all the while going you know is this what God's calling me to right nobody but we need you there right now so go do it Right? right so I did it and you know and then you know by being faithful in the small things and the things that i was called to you know Mm -hmm. eventually you know there came a call from you and and blake ship that Mm -hmm. said mike we'd like you to start mentoring young married guys Mm -hmm. because you know it's 20 years later and you're an old guy and you know stuff finally (laughs) and and, and, and then then i knew i'm like oh wow this is where i've belonged all along right but i right. i wasn't ready for that at 35 i was ready for that at 50 right and so at 50 i had something to offer
0: those people at 35 i
1: had nothing to offer those
0: mm-hmm. people so so it's know, interesting hear- what you say saying yes to second grade sunday school was your was a step towards you um, uni- a nonlinear step towards right. getting ready for the higher calling yeah,
1: yeah. I had no idea yeah. but I think sometimes we spend way too much time yeah. thinking about that's right <laughs> rather than the, yeah. the, the thing that's right in front of us yeah that somebody says can you help with this right yeah. my, my involvement with 441 I'd like to tell you it was strategic and well thought out right no not at all right my wife's boss goes to that church right and he said they need someone with your experience to help them with a couple of things would you be willing to at least meet with their founder right okay right right yes so the answer was yes and I went in and before I knew it I was up to my eyeballs in it and and because there were so many things in there that I had the talent to address right and I did so um yeah it's i think we again we spend way too much time thinking about where or is god calling us versus there's an opportunity
0: right in front of you just say yes to the thing it's a great answer uh, yeah I, I sometimes i wonder if the whole you know in god's providence the the covid one of the things in covid um crisis is you know he shut the church down so it would open itself up in in diff- in new ways yeah for what you're just saying in other yeah. words we don't need to be here that is in the building Meeting um, to be the church, obviously. Right. Um, somebody said this. I think it was, um, I don't know, was Tony Dungy or somebody. I was just listening to recently. Said, you know, who talked about a football as an example, as a as an analogy or a metaphor. And he said, you know, when you when you see if you're watching professional football or or any football, you know, the team gets in a huddle. Now there's no there's no um, um, mics in this. In other words, that's that's the the game is comes is played when they get out of the huddle. all right and he said, um, but they still do that. And he even he even gave the background. I forgot what it was. Of, of, of It was it wasn't. It was something less obvious than they're just calling the play. There's some reason they do these huddles back in the beginning of the of the origins of of American football. But anyway, he said, the church gathering, which is so important, is the huddle. Right. That's what this guy was saying. It was, it's it's important. But it's not the game. Right. The game is not the huddle. Right. The Sunday morning experience is is there, you, you know you're 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 calling a play, I guess. Right. You're 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 um there's something meaningful going on, but that's not the game. It's kind of right. what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So Well Mike, thank you My for pleasure. the time. I uh, enjoyed it and friends, I uh, look forward to continuing the conversation very soon.